Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I greatly appreciate you for listening in to another episode. Let's go ahead and get the house rules out of the order or out of the way so that way we can go ahead and get into the main segment. If you haven't already hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, it's the best way to keep up with new episodes as they come up. And go ahead and leave us a review if you can on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content. Also, it helps us boost in the charts. That way we can maybe get some more advertisers, get some advertisers uh, you know, to help subsidize some of the things that we want to do with this podcast and create a better product for you guys. <clears throat> also, if you like this podcast, go ahead and check us out on Patreon. Anything you guys give us, it goes directly into the podcast. It helps publish the podcast, buy equipment, things like that. Also, if you want to check out and see what we're doing in between podcasts, you can go ahead and check us out on all our social media, the number 2A Lifestyle, except on Instagram, 2 is spelled out. So go ahead and check us out there and follow us to see what's going on. And let's go ahead and start getting into the show. I'm still a fan even though it's salty. Hate to see you with some other but know you happy. Hate to see you happy if I'm not the one driving. I'm so mature. I'm so mature. I'm so mature. Ain't got me a therapist to tell me there's other men I don't want. And I just want you. As with anything with the first part of the podcast, when we cover the news, we're going to talk about the shooting sports. First article comes to us from Ameland. It's titled, Is KC Suebo Sweeps Steel Nationals with Bushnell RXM 300 Site? Uh, this was held March 17th through the 19th. And Bushnell, who is the sponsor uh, for this shoot or for this particular competition, uh, wants to congratulate KC Suebo for the recent win at the U.S. Nationals, which took place at New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Uh, they took uh, He took first place in the open division, open division and first overall using the Bushnell RXM reflex sight. Uh, so good job on that. It's going into the next shooting sports. Brownells host two-time NCSSAA National uh, Champion Shotgun Team. Brownells, I tell you what, we're always going to kind of talk good about Brownells because Brownells does so much for the shooting sport. So on April 12th, uh, they invited the national in just so uh, you know, the NCSSA is the I think it's called the National Collegiate Shooting Sports Athletic Association. Uh, this team was from William Penn University. Uh, it's their shotgun team, and they were the champion for the Division Four level. So uh, that's awesome on that. They won uh, out of, you know, with 1,423 clays broken out of a perfect score of 1,500 in skeet and trap shooting uh, combined. Uh, they also uh, had Midland University and Concordia University both Located in Nebraska, finished second and third on the 2023 National Championship. That's pretty cool. Brownells brought them uh, to their spot and uh, let them check it out. So that's really cool uh, on Brownells. And I believe lastly on the shooting sports, uh, also to us from MLN, uh, Ia Shurik takes third at the Texas Regional Tactical Games. So we've talked about the tactical games before. It's kind of like the new thing. Uh, in regards to shooting sports, they 
do a lot of uh, athletic stuff. It's kind of like a mixture between, uh, in my opinion, like three gun and um, like tough mutter kind of stuff. Uh, you know. Anyway, so we actually talked about this person not too long ago, where Blackhawk, um, you know, uh, sponsored them. So she plays third in the women's elite division at the Tactical Games Texas Regional event uh, to kick off the 2023 Tactical Games season. Uh, it's pretty cool. She utilized her Blackhawk T Series LT or L2D holster, uh, the Blackhawk Foundation Series plate carrier, and a Blackhawk multi point sling. So uh, good on her for taking third and be interested to see what's going to happen this year in the Tactical Games. So let's go ahead and start getting into the news. Uh, something I'm going to throw in here, I normally don't throw these in here, uh, but I, th I think I might start throwing some more of these when we start covering the news, um, is self-defense shootings. Because, uh, you know, this is pretty interesting uh, and good to, good to know whenever you're talking to people uh, about the Second Amendment because there is a lot of self-defense shootings, uh, especially when you're covering, you know, static uh, statistics on, and stats on homicides by gun. A lot of those are uh, self-defense shootings. So, like, for example, in this story right here from Ameland titled Armed Samaritan Shoots Robbery Suspect, uh, who is also wanted for murder and stopping a violent attack, uh, you know, these lawful gun owners use their firearms to not only to defend themselves but also defend others and they ultimately you know take a lot of bad people out of the equation so this occurred in southwest houston where uh someone was at a chase bank bank and somebody pulled up to withdraw money from the atm an armed suspect ambush and demanded money uh, the victim uh, started to comply until the suspect began to pistol whip them, and that's when a passerby saw the crime happen and pulled out a gun to defend that victim. Uh, several shots were fired, and the good guy shot the suspect in the leg and foot, and the suspect was taken to the hospital in stable con uh, condition, where at that point they uh, identified him as a murder suspect out of Louisiana. So it's always uh, good to hear those kind of stories, and like I said, we're probably going to start throwing some of these in the mix uh, from now on as well. Uh, the next article comes to us from Amblin and is titled, Is Delaware Senate Judiciary Committee to Hear New Anti-Gun Bills? And with a lot of state legislators session, sessions starting to come in, uh, you're going to see a lot of these. And if you live in these states, I uh, highly uh, encourage you to talk to your local state legislatures to make sure that they oppose these gun control bills. Uh, the first one is going to be Senate Bill 2, which requires citizens to obtain a handgun qualified purchaser permit, uh, which sounds very much like a FOID card from Illinois, uh, with an exemption to for carry uh, permit holders. And to obtain a permit, you got to, uh, at your own expense, take an approved training, submit fingerprints, um, you know, it doesn't create a voucher system for low-income individuals for the cost of training. Uh, the State Bureau of Investigation is allowed up to 30 days to issue the permit, and permits are only valid for 180 days, and training is only accepted if taken within the past five years. So this is a reoccurring cost, and it's just, you know, uh, a tax on the poor. So definitely, if you live in Delaware, make sure you talk to your state legislatures to let them know how you feel about this type of legislation. 
the next article from Ameland, and we've covered this case, and it is absolutely fucking ridiculous this has happened, uh, but it's titled, Justin Irwin, or Irvin and Matthew Hoover found guilty in the auto car, or auto, auto key card case. So now, if you aren't familiar with what auto key card is, it was like a novelty uh, little trinket that you could get from the business where it was a metal card uh, about the size of a credit card and it you know had uh, little punch outs in the metal that you know if you used it uh, improperly or if you used it as a guide you can make these parts and put them in your AR rifle uh, and they could with proper smithing become fully automatic so the ATF charged these men uh, with violating the NFA uh, and you know one of these individuals it was crazy was actually not even the owner of the auto key card he was just uh, owner of a YouTube channel who was sponsored by the auto key card so they arrested these gentlemen in April of 2021 and charged them with transferring unregistered machine guns uh, the ATF viewed the YouTube channel uh, in fund as the fundraising activities as conspiracy and accused them of running a criminal enterprise. Uh, so Mr. Irvin, who was the owner of the auto key card, was arrested first, and Mr. Hoover was later arrested uh, for being a sponsored YouTube channel of this. Uh, this was when a Wisconsin judge released Hoover on his own reconnaissance, saying he didn't believe YouTube uh, was a YouTuber was a flight risk. But the U.S. attorney there pushed for Hoover to be kept in custody. Uh, really fucking crazy. Trial ran for two weeks. Ameland was, you know, keeping up to date and uh, releasing stories in regards to this. Um, you know, but one witness stated that he was driving when he heard automatic gunfire. He pulled over and he found three men in the field. Uh, two of them had auto key cards. One was cut out and one wasn't. The men gave him both because they couldn't get it to work. The man is a machinist and figured he could use the skills uh, to get them to function. And after hours of trying, uh, he finally wasn't able to make it work. And he threw away the auto key card. So, just like I said before, this was a novelty item. Uh, you know, if you had some machining experience, uh, it's no different than, you know, printing something out online and then using that as a guide. So, when pressed during the trial, the ATF admitted that they could only get one of the auto three of the three auto key cards they possessed to work, uh, and they also admitted to jamming the auto key card into the farm to create a hammer flow. So, uh, it's very similar to another story that we're going to talk about. So, I'm not going to get into that. But the ATF admitted that the bureau assigned 12 agents to collect auto key cards from the public before being told to stop by their higher ups, uh, who thought it was a waste of time and money, and the ATF employees also admitted to taking classes on convincing a jury of their testimony. So Tuesday night, the U.S. Attorney office, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office requested that the jury be instructed that the auto key card is a machine gun, whether it works or not, and that they must rule if the men transfer the items and if the men's intent was to transfer unkeyed lightning links or uncut lightning links. Judge was annoyed by the prosecution. The defense asked for the case to be dismissed, uh, but... Mr. Irvin was found guilty on one charge of structuring. Structuring is a financial crime where a person admits withdraws to avoid red flags, withdraws over $10,000 worth of triggers and automatic investigation. In addition to the structuring charge, he was also charged with a conspiracy. Uh, Mr. Hoover was found guilty of five of the eight charges, including four charges of transferring machine guns and one charge of conspiracy. 
they're both remaining in custody and uh, you know the federal prosecutor stated that she felt personally threatened by Mr. Hoover and Irvin has been in federal custody ever since his arrest their sentencing will be held on July 31st of this year uh, this is just an absolute fucking travesty of justice uh, in my opinion you know the ATF has been caught numerous times stating that you know they have taken items and had to change the items uh, from their original intent to make them work and this was a perfect example of this and uh, you know I'm curious on how the you know opening statements and the final statements from both the prosecution and the defense went in regards to this trial uh, and just for the fact that I wonder you know as we saw from this article that the prosecution instructed the jury of one thing uh, against the judges uh, wishes I guess you could say which I am very surprised about just because having been before judges and juries before uh, judges are very much a fiefdom in their own courtroom uh, they are the one and final you know sayer on what happens so if a prosecutor does something that the judge doesn't like the judge can have the jury uh, strike that from their testimony. They can, uh, you know, rule for a mistrial and have, you know, a new jury pulled. You know, numerous things can be done. So uh, it seems like the judge was very complicit in this. And I wonder uh, for the judges, the especially in this case, I wonder uh, if the judge uh, was, you know, pressured any. Um, politically in regards to this by the ATF or the Department of Justice uh, or what it may be because uh, as we've seen it, and this isn't necessarily a gun case but uh, there was a story this past week where an IRS special agent is asking for whistleblower status in regards to a uh, tax case that he's investigating uh, he did not you know and he did not state and the news is stating that you know it may or may have not you know may or may not have something to do with Hunter Biden's investigation uh, but it may have some sort of connection to the Hunter Biden case and is being politicized and the investigators are being uh, pressured by political forces for it to go one way versus the other so if I, I this is something I can absolutely see being pressured uh, onto the judge to uh, you know allow some motions, disallow others, to allow certain statements to be made in the courtroom, things like that. Uh, going into the next story, this is from Amaland and it's titled "Once More Into the Breach: Trying to Save the NRA." So NRAM, which is the NRA annual meeting, occurred. Uh, since the last podcast, uh, the news podcast, I should say, and I just don't see how this is going to happen, how this is going to work. Uh, so, uh, old Willis Lee was pushed out. Uh, some other people were pushed in, including Brewer. Uh, you know, and if you don't know who Brewer is, uh, Brewer is um, was the one of the attorneys uh, from uh, Ackerman and McQueen who uh, was, you know, Ackerman and McQueen were sued by the NRA recently and they just settled for $12 million that the NRA now has to pay them. 
and old Marion Hammer uh, was brought in, and of course Wayne Lapierre was elected again uh, as the leader of the NRA. So I just don't see a whole lot changing in regards to the NRA, and I just would appreciate. I, I would, I would hope um, that honestly that this organization would just either fix itself or just go the way of the buffalo because uh i feel as if this is uh just a nuisance to the gun community uh it is something that takes away our resources for some people uh you know i've talked about on previous podcasts about like midway usa midway usa is a great company in my opinion um but its owner larry potterfield uh is just very old and he just sees you know hey i support the nra and the way i support the nra or i support the second amendment and the way i support the second amendment is by supporting the nra and uh you know that just needs to change this kind of stuff needs to go to where resources could be allocated to other organizations that can help the second amendment because the nra is not helping the second amendment anymore Going on into the next story, the next story comes to us from Inland as well, uh, and it's titled Gilliam Trial Highlights Ethics of Gun Prohibitionists and the Company They Keep. So if you aren't familiar uh, with what's going on, is Andrew Gilliam was on trial in the federal court in Tallahassee on Tuesday when prosecutors argued he committed various crimes during his run for governor. Uh, he was a Democratic uh, politician, uh, and he faces 17 counts of fraud lying to the FBI during his bid to run against DeSantis. And Gilliam used campaign funds to, you know, like pay his mortgage, uh, pay his car payments, private tuition for his kids, and he was receiving don- don- donations and basically stealing them from his campaign. Uh, and what does this have to do? But, you know, uh, among other things, CNN described Gilliam during the Florida's governor's race as a Bernie Sanders backed progressive who championed Medicare for all, single health care insurance, uh, basically progressive socialism. Uh, and also, uh, he, you know, went on to wanted to have a assault weapons ban in Florida. So this is just the, the kind of politicians. And fortunately, you know, he didn't win, but by a slim margin of 33,000 votes, uh, did he lose, uh, DeSantis won, but this is the kind of, and I'm not saying Republican politicians are any better. Uh, my own state Senator, uh, or U S Senator for the state of Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, uh, he's a humongous piece of shit and I really don't like him. I felt the same thing about Richard Shelby before, uh, who had just retired. So I, I feel that all politicians are cunts, but this is the kind of stuff that you need to, uh, you know, realize that when you're supporting these politicians and especially, uh, progressive politicians that, you know, you, they need to understand that the politicians that they idolize and that they ask for help in pushing their progressive agenda, these are the politicians and what they do. So, uh, going on into the next article from MLN, the NSSF hails Congressman Barr's Fair Access to Banking Act. Uh, 
Now this is a really good thing because this is a lot of stuff that we've talked about before. Uh, so Andy Barr, who's a Republican for from Kentucky, introduced the Fair Banking Act or the Fair Access to Banking Act, which is AR or HR twenty seven forty three. And this is a very much needed legislation that would require banks to provide access to services, capital, and credit based on the objective risk assessment of individual customers rather than the subjective broad-based decisions affecting whole categories uh, such as firearms. So we've talked about before how a lot of these um, you know, banks and creditors, uh, they are, uh, you know, categorizing sporting goods and gun owners and gun sales uh, and firearms accessory sales as one thing so that way it could be categorized into other uh, you know so that way it could be easily more easily tracked also it can make it to where uh, the firearms businesses themselves uh, have harder time accessing uh, different I guess you could say different um, financing for their businesses uh, and what have it. So in regards to that, I think this is important because when these banking and crediting companies have uh, been categorized as one way, they make it a more riskier um business for the banks and those creditors to do business with them just solely on the fact is how they're being categorized. So stuff like this is really good for the firearms industry because as we've talked about in the previous episodes is the politicians that want to restrict your second amendment rights are realizing that's a lot easier to get out the middleman in regards to this and i read a pretty decent article uh that had uh mike from sons of liberty gunworks talking about it and off a of tasker and he's exactly 100 percent right so it's a lot easier to restrict one's gun rights by going after the businesses and going after the manufacturers because uh, an individual's right is protected but it's not so clear that a business or a manufacturer uh, is not protected under the Second Amendment because they still have to file you know taxes they still have to file their uh, license with the ETF and so on and so forth and that is how they're doing it so a, a law like this could greatly protect the farms industry and we should really talk to our US representatives and our US senators and have them push something like this. Next article comes from Amland as well. It's titled as Washington Democrats Pass Semi-Auto Ban Bill Goes to Governor Governor's Desk and this is something that is you know been on the precipice of happening. Uh, so they finally passed the semi-auto ban which would ban the future sale import and manufacture of so-called assault weapons and the gun lob you know the gun control lobby is obviously celebrating segment foundation which is actually headquartered in bellevue washington will likely be the forefront for the legal fight in this the srf or the saf is already involved in challenges to bans in maryland and california uh over high capacity magazines and you know the governor is definitely unfortunately going to sign this just because uh that's you know the people in that state feel that this is going to be uh you know what their electorate wants just because you know those gun control people are the ones that make the loudest noise 
uh, and that's what they hear. So uh, there's, you know, no small irony into this uh, regarding the assault weapons ban uh, because it's going to affect a lot of people in Washington. Uh, some good people I know in Washington uh, own these type of weapons. So uh, it's going to affect everybody there. And we need to support the organization, especially the SAF. The SAF is a great uh, organization. And this is something that we need to support those organizations. Uh, if you got a few extra dollars, send it their way because they're going to, you know, fight this in court. And with the current makeup of the Supreme Court, this is probably going to get overturned. The next article comes to us from Emmeland as well. Uh, and it's titled, Does Nebraska Legislature Passes Constitutional Carry? This is great news. Uh, you know, with this, Nebraska becomes the next state to fall in line with constitutional carry. And the bill changes the definition of what is a concealed handgun so that if any part of the handgun is capable of being seen or observed by another person, uh, it's not a concealed weapon. Uh, so while Nebraska legislature is normally nonpartisan, uh, they showed that this was uh, fairly around, uh, you know, party lines in regards to passing this. Uh, the constitutional carry bill has been a high priority uh, since around, you know, 2017, 2018 for the Republicans in that state. Uh, the bill is going to go into effect uh, at the end of June, um, which is uh, about when the legislative session ends there. And it will be, or it'll be, you know, uh, it will be effective three months, I'm sorry, after the legislative session is over. So uh, the legislative session is over in June and it'll be effective uh, in September. So this makes Nebraska the 25th state to make constitutional carry uh, and the 27th state to have permitless carry enshrined in the law. So that's good stuff there. Glad to see Nebraska is joining. Next article also comes to us from MLN. It's titled ATF Confiscation Wide or Confiscating Wide Open Triggers from Gun Owners. Uh, so again, we're seeing the ATF do what they do is just infringe on rights. And the ATF uh, has begun uh, confiscating wide open triggers, which is a forced reset trigger. Uh, they uh, are in, you know, following the line of rare bead triggers for their forced reset trigger. Uh, in January of 2020, the ATF showed up at the doors of Big Daddy Limited and began to confiscate the company stock of wide open triggers and rare breed triggers. Uh, the company handed over all the triggers and stopped selling them. In March 2022 as well, the ATF released uh, an open letter claiming that some uh, forced reset triggers are machine guns. And then last Friday, uh, which would have been the, I think the... 14th? I'm not sure. I'm terrible with dates. I'd have to look at a calendar. Anyway, an article states last Friday, MLN News received reports that the ATF agents in Texas were visiting select gun owners in an attempt to try to recover wide open triggers from gun owners who purchased the item from Big Daddy Unlimited website. So it makes you wonder uh, when the ATF uh, went into Big Daddy Unlimited, did they, you know, take any customer data in regards to this? Um, 
And MLN's actually contacted Tony McKnight, who is the owner of Big Daddy Unlimited and Wine Open Enterprises, and asked if he or the company had turned over any customer information. He adamantly denied that the company had sent any information on the customers to the ATF. Uh, he stated that the company digitally shredded all transactions of the sale of the triggers, although there are methods of wiping data that make it hard to recover. There's not a 100% foolproof, foolproof way of this happening. So it's probably uh, my assumption that they uh, did a lot of uh, digital forensics and were trying to recover any data from Big Daddy Unlimited through uh, subpoenas and search warrants to try and find out who purchased this. So uh, I'm expecting to see more of this happen and uh, I'm curious to see what will happen in regards to any sort of court cases that might come from this. Uh, this next article also comes from MLN, and it's titled Questions About Judges' Integrity Surface, an Illinois Gun Ban Case. Uh, so what has happened is there has been an Illinois gun ban case uh, where a judge is uh, looking this over. On January 10th, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a law in Illinois that banned more than 170 semi-automatic firearms in certain magazine capacities for plaintiffs. Uh, you know, four plaintiffs groups sued in federal court, stating that this violated their uh, Second Amendment rights. And judges in two of the four Illinois court cases have been since accused of being compromised in their respective cases due to the fact that they each took a total of one million dollars in campaign dollars from the governor himself. Uh, and the governor Pritzker is very, uh, you know, widely you know, verbose about saying how he would implement more gun control. And the fear is that these judges are going to side with the governor in wake of large campaign donations is something that they should be considered as these cases are moving forward. So the two uh, judges are Elizabeth Rochford and Mary O'Brien, uh, and they're accused of being nonpartisan are non-biased in their opinion in regards to these cases and they're being asked to recuse themselves uh, for this but since the time of this article they have not recused themselves so it is something that could go forward on uh, with these two judges next article comes to us from ABC News and uh, again since the last news episode that we've done um, it has come out that uh, fucking Alec Baldwin uh, manslaughter charges were dropped and what has come out is that the gun in the on uh, in the fatal onset rush shooting was mechanically improper sources said I'm very curious <coughs> as to how this went down because we have heard from initial sources that the gun was you know functioning properly so uh, I guarantee, and especially with the resources of Alec Baldwin, uh, I guarantee probably what happened was is that he paid for numerous other uh, subject, you know, so-called subject matter experts in firearms to take a look at the firearm to come out with an opinion that was favorable to him, stating that the firearm was uh, improper or malfunctioning in some sort. Uh, for the accident to have occurred so based on this uh being brought before the court there in new mexico uh the charges were dropped now i 
am a little upset by this just because it's always rules for thee, not for me in regards to, uh, you know, celebrities or politicians or uh, very, you know, elite, wealthy. And I don't want to say elite class, but like, you know, the people that always consider themselves better than others to be, you know, have a, a different set of rules that they are allowed to follow versus to what you and I have to follow. And this is just another prime example of that. Uh, the next article comes to us from Ameland, and it's titled is House Judiciary Committee to Vote on Overturning ATF's Pistol Brace Rule. So uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to go. But what happened was is the chairman, Jim Jordan, who is a Republican out of Ohio, will vote to overturn the ATF's controversial pistol uh, brace rule. Uh, the rule was obviously introduced and instructed by President Biden's ATF uh, to write regulations to put a ban on pistol stabilizing braces. And uh, the ATF obviously did its bidding and reversed years of other ATF's opinions and ruled that millions of pistol braces that have been in circulation for many years are now illegal. So the move uh, came to outrage, obviously, and the House Judiciary Committee will be hearing H.R. 2640, uh, the Border Security and Enforcement Act, uh, and House Judicial Resolution 44, and the complete bill will address border security uh, as well as uh, pistol braces. So Representative Andrew Clyde, Republican out of Georgia, took advantage of the bill and attached a resolution tackling the ATF rule factoring criteria for firearms with stabilizing braces. Um, but so some, you know, this is all good and dandy, but I'm very curious, and this is something I've, I've harped on before, is that, you know, the Republicans do this now knowing that they have just the House, they don't have the Senate, they don't have the executive branch, so this shit could either die in the Senate or it could die on President Biden's desk with a pocket veto, and they don't have the numbers to override any sort of veto, and uh, they do this because they want to show, oh, you know, we're good Republicans, we're doing this now, uh, but when, if the Republicans ever get all three branches of the government again uh, with the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, uh, they're going to be stagnant just like they were when Trump was first in office. Um, this is kind of, and then also, even, okay, say for example, this did pass. Uh, I could personally see this going before a uh, judge uh, or a federal court and being overturned just because of the fact that the ATF is an executive organization uh, which is ruled by the president the head of the executive branch uh, so there's definitely a separation of powers there but now i'd also would like to see the you know the atf be smacked down because uh, their interpretation you know the executive branch's interpretation uh, of something from the legislative branch uh, which is, you know, the, you know, NFA, the gun control bill, uh, all that stuff. Uh, I'd like to see the, you know, judicial branch overrule their interpretations of these laws because they are basically, in a sense, making laws based off of uh, some, you know, interpreting their own opinions off of a legislative act, which is exactly why I think uh, the ETF needs to, you know, be smacked down on this. Going on into the next story, uh, the next story also comes to us from Ameland, and it's titled is Last Week in the ATF, uh, and it just goes to talk about all what has gone on in the ATF, 
and uh, you know it's a lot of the same uh, there was you know the Boston Field Division sentenced to someone nine years uh, for fentanyl distribution and firearms possession I don't know why the ATF did that because the DEA could do that uh, you know in Denver uh, they sentenced uh, someone to prison for possessing an unregistered sawed-off shotgun uh, whoop-de-doo you know it's just a lot of stuff you know that's what happened at Ruby Ridge by the way uh, that's what ended up you know killing Randy Weaver's wife and child uh, next article comes to us from WRTV uh, which is an ABC News affiliate out of Annapolis and his title is four charged with conspiring to steal over 200 guns from indie shipping company now this is something uh, I've seen before uh, and it is something that I think we need to uh, be careful uh, we need to make sure that you know especially criminals criminals uh, love to steal firearms and they uh, always try and make sure that you know if they use a firearm in a crime that it doesn't come back to them that's why they love to steal firearms from cars uh, and exam you know break into gun shops steal firearms from there in this example they're trying to steal from a shipping container or a shipping manufacturer so uh, this is something that should concern us as gun owners because these people that steal these farms that ultimately are going to be used in crimes or sold to be used in crimes uh, they are the ones that are going to make us look bad uh, in regards to the crime where guns are you know used so we need to make sure that if you uh, work at a gun store or if you work at a shipping facility that if you uh, see any sort of uh, conspiring of somebody that's going to try and steal firearms from your place of work uh, to, to say something just because the fact that if you don't say something and then these you know weapons are used in a crime that's going to be used against us as lawful gun owners to push gun control and that's my personal opinion um, and then it also it's the same thing you know if you leave a firearm in your car especially visible or if you you have a bunch of fucking gun stickers on your car. Uh, you make yourself a target for it to be broken into because a lot of criminals see that as easy uh, way to uh, you know get a gun because you know they're pretty sure that somebody could you know leave that firearm in the car. Uh, we need to make sure that we're responsible firearms owners in in that situation. Next article, uh, and this is kind of tying back into what I was talking about with the auto key card uh, from Emelian and is uh, titled ATF determines a metal sliver is a machine gun. And like I said, this is something uh, that we talk about. And I'm telling you, the uh, picture is absolutely fucking wild. It shows the uh, disconnector for the uh, fire control group and this metal sliver is probably like the size of like if you cut off your pinky nail uh like you know you uh clip your pinky nail off for being long it's it's like that's sm small it's insane so what happened was is the ats farms and ammunition technology division examined in a vesky ar-15 that was chambered in 300 blackout and was equipped with a franklin armory binary trigger uh the trigger uh was then you know 
used to fire multiple rounds with a single action trigger since the gun owner must consciously release the trigger. Uh, this is to be separate uh, actions, but this is not a machine gun. But because of this metal sliver was down in there in the fire control group, uh, they uh, were able to fire multiple rounds with just one single depression of the trigger. And once they removed the little metal sliver and they tested the rifle again, the rifle performed normally. So uh, they determined that the rifle was a machine gun because a piece of machining got stuck in there. And that is the, you know, insanity of the ATF. Next article comes to us from ABC News. Republican governor to call special session in Tennessee to discuss gun reform. Now, you know, when I think of gun-friendly states, I think of Tennessee. Tennessee is the volunteer state. You know, it's famous for its, you know, uh, activism in, you know, different wars throughout the history of America. And it was, you know, wild country. I mean, fuck, you know, Daniel Boone or uh, David Crockett was from Tennessee. And he was, uh, you know, uh, a great marksman, you know, great figure in, you know, gun history, I guess you could say. But he's calling them back to pursue thoughtful and practical solutions, as he says, to keep Tennesseans safe. So he is wanting some sort of gun control. I guarantee you, uh, but he is stating that he still has a strong, uh, you know, commitment to preserving Second Amendment rights, ensuring due process, and addressing the heart of the problem uh, with strength, strengthened mental health resources. He's made a pitch to lawmakers for what he's called order of protection law, which is aimed to take away firearms from those deemed at risk to those around him. Sure, sounds like red flag laws to me, mm -hmm. and. It's insane that this is coming from uh, a GOP, you know, senator, or not senator, but governor, especially in Tennessee. You know, Tennessee is a strong conservative state. So uh, this is something that we should all be very weary of, especially in Tennessee. You need to make sure that you contact your state legislatures and state senators. Um, this next article comes to us from Ameland. And his title is Fox News Pushing Anti-Gun Propaganda in News Stories. Uh, so this is, you know, Fox News. Fox News is thought to be uh, the conservative news site. But, you know, it's something that we, just like politicians, we need to make sure that we are all weary of uh, where we get our information, who we idolize, whether it be politicians or public figures. And Fox News is no different. So uh, Fox News, and, and specifically in this, uh, cited fake mass shooting data from the Gun Violence Archive, which is an anti-gun nonprofit, uh, which has been debunked, and it's digital and broadcast news story. The Gun Violence Archive, uh, you know, inflates body counts sometimes by more than a thousand percent, and its overblown data has become just catnip. For the mainstream media so 
that is something that's very interesting and I wanted to put out there because and, and not only that like you should just be careful on where you get your news from even if you get it from alternate sources uh, there is a uh, news content creator uh, a couple of them that I follow and when I uh, heard a news story I went to you know because even if I hear something from a uh, you know alternate news source I always go back and I try to find the initial source from where they got that that particular news story and the only news uh, source that I could find on this particular news that I was interested in uh, the other sources were either a QAnon a news source or another website called Real Raw News and that those were the only two websites I could find this news story on so uh, I just took that news uh, that I heard as just kind of, you know, false or something that maybe is still being investigated by other news sources to see the legitimacy of it. Anyway, um, next story comes to us from Tactical Life. Actually, that is my mistake. So that is going to be it for the main segment. Uh, so let's go on and start getting into the Gun Gear News and Reviews. So that's going to be it for the main segment. Let's get into the Gun Gear News and Reviews. The first thing that I'm going to talk about comes to from Tactical Life, and it's titled as Garmin Introduces the New Forte, uh, Fortrex. 801 and 901 wrist top solutions so now if you are into outdoors uh you know these wristband computer solutions uh for you know it could be either for shooting hunting camping hiking whatever it may be uh they look like just big watches that you put on your wrist and it can give you uh gps data on where you're going uh includes like an accelerometer a compass barometric uh altimeter and things like that uh, they are rugged they're uh, water resistant uh, thermal resistant all that kind of stuff and these are great things to have I really want to get one of these uh, but I am you know just kind of weary on it I've been looking for a good uh, GPS uh, monitor like a good GPS compass uh, solution for me for outdoors uh, this is definitely something I would like to try uh, these use uh, two AAA batteries uh, for up to 100 hours in one second tracking and up to 1,000 hours in expedition mode. Uh, you know, they also have different uh, ballistic capabilities for competitive shooters and for extreme long range events. Uh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, but now these are expensive. Uh, so the 801, uh, you're looking at 249, and the 901, you're looking at 600 dollars. Now you can find some of the older models for cheap, uh, for normally around like 150 to 200 bucks. Um, and this is, you know, to me like it, it's not necessarily a must-have, uh, but it is definitely a pleasure uh, to have, and it's something we're going to be talking about in a get outdoors episode. Uh, we're going to talk about how you should have some sort of map reading capability. So be looking forward to that episode as well. 
Uh, next article is about the TriStar Arms announces the TriStar LR94 410 lever shotgun. Uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, I am a sucker for lever guns. I really do enjoy them. And 410, uh, the caliber is, uh, you know, a very versatile caliber, uh, you know, especially with the introduction of things like the Taurus Judge and stuff like that. Um, you can get these either in a uh, 22 or 24 inch barrel model. Uh, they both hold five plus one and they both use Breda chokes uh, but the price on these is a little expensive you're looking at anywhere between well, basically a thousand to eleven hundred dollars is what you're looking at on these uh, the next article and product we're going to talk about uh, and I'll tell you what this is something I noticed insanely about uh, NRAM this past year was it seemed like a lot of products came out at NRAM where Normally, products come out at uh, SHOT Show. A lot of products came out at NRAM. So, uh, Kimber is now offering a new 9mm double stack 1911, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, it has, you know, accepts multiple red dot patterns, including the Hollow Sun optics. Um, you know, I'm sure, uh, I don't know, I don't see anywhere where they're offering an MSRP on this. Um, but with Kimber, I imagine this thing is probably going to be around like twelve to thirteen hundred dollars. So you know, it's nice. Uh, some people still out there kind of simp for Kimber. Uh, I like Kimber just because you know it's a company now where they make all their stuff in Alabama, and uh, I have a one or two Kimbers. I know I have one. I think I might have two Kimbers uh, myself, and uh, you know it's nice, nice guns. But uh, I think this is a little late to the game. And then not only that, with Kimber, uh, they are starting to get a little bit better on their quality control. Uh, but they had, a, for a long time there, they had a problem with their QC. Next thing we're talking about is Rideon Optics announces new 3 Primal 3x18x50 uh, rifle scope. Uh, this is uh, pretty interesting. The uh, rifle scope you know it's a good uh to be either like long range to you know good hunting scope and the price isn't too terrible uh it's msrp is 660 it's not too bad for an optic um and i bet you could probably find this for less than 500 dollars uh when you're looking uh for sales uh it comes with uh three available height levers uh, six levels of red illumination along with on and off in between each one. Uh, it is uh, waterproof, fogproof, and shockproof up to 1200 G's. And it is, uh, you know, zero resettable turret, zero stop. So that is a pretty interesting little optic right there. Uh, like I said, be good for, you know, long range to hunting optic, but not that bad of a price. Uh, next product we're going to be talking about is uh, C&H's Precision's complete line of new pistol optics. Uh, they are coming out with a new whole line of optics. Uh, they've been known for making uh, adapter plates for a long time and slide milling, slide milling, yeah, for direct mounting. Uh, but new for 2023, they're introducing complete range of pistol optics, including a enclosed red dot, a large, comp uh, large window competition focus dot, 
in an enclosed micro dot for concealable pistols. They haven't uh, exactly let out uh, when they are going to be releasing these or uh, when they're going to uh, release some sort of price range. Uh, but my guess is probably like quarter two to quarter three or quarter three to quarter four. Uh, they might go ahead and release these right before SHOT Show. Uh, so that way they could have these uh, out at SHOT Show and you know everybody can start posting about them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is Sig Sauer's Electro Optics introduces the Romeo M17 red dot. Uh, so this is supposed to be a rugged red dot to go with their new M17. Uh, it is specifically made for the M17 because you know the M17s uh, when you get them the uh, rear sight comes off so this comes with a rear sight base and uh, it is an enclosed uh, enclosed red dot as well uh, but it is a 2 MOA with a 32 MOA circle so very similar to what uh, Hollow Sun has to offer it is submersible up to 35 meters uh, it's got uh, 15 brightness uh, settings, 12 day, 3 night vision, um, and it weighs only an uh, ounce and a half. That is not bad. It looks really good, honestly. Uh, I am very interested in this. I don't have an M17. I have some SIG 320s, um, but uh, you know, I'm very curious what the price point is on this. It doesn't have it on the article from the firearms blog. Uh, so let's see. Whoo boy, it's asking MSRP is eight oh nine ninety nine. So yeah, you're gonna be paying for that boy. And I'm sure it's probably got something to do with the uh, the night vision capabilities on it. Next product we're gonna be talking about comes to us from Henry. Henry reaches for wheel gun fans with new big boy revolvers. Uh, this is something that I thought was cool because you got the option of kind of like the standard. Uh, revolver grip or a bird's head grip uh, it's gonna be both you know either one comes within 357 Magnum and uh, it's very old-school-ish revolver uh, the MSRP on these is 928 which is not great but it's also not terrible uh, so that's very interesting and the last product we're gonna be talking about of course is gonna be high point when them introducing a new carbine in the 30 super carry uh, high point, you know, say what you want about them. I think they're pretty awesome on innovation, even though we still haven't really seen a released YC9 yet. Uh, but the fact that they're coming out in something in 30 Super Carry uh, is pretty interesting. I'm sure it probably didn't take a whole lot of uh, changes to like maybe an existing 9mm carbine, uh, but that is something that's pretty cool. So, with that, let's go ahead and get to the gun culture segment and start wrapping the show up. So something we're going to be talking about in the gun culture segment is very, it's a very, you know, cult classic movie. It is a Tarantino film and it is Pulp Fiction. 
Now, Pulp Fiction has a lot of uh, guns in there, a lot of drugs as well, but a lot of guns, uh, but it doesn't have a whole lot of variances in there. So uh, with Pulp Fiction, uh, if you aren't familiar with what Pulp Fiction is, you need to fix yourself because it is an amazing movie. Um, it is, I think it's out on HBO Max and possibly Netflix. I may be mistaken on that, but I believe so. Uh, you know, Samuel Jackson, um, you know, uh, fucking, uh, I can't think of his name right now to save my life. Uh, John Travolta, Bruce Willis. Great, you know, great cast. Uh, Samuel Jackson is a hitman in there. He uses the Star Model B, which is a 1911 uh, type handgun with pearl grips. Very iconic for his character. Uh, John Travolta, who uh, carries a auto ordnance M1911A1. Again, pearl grips. Both of these 1911s are nickel finished. Uh, you have Tim Roth, who is a robber in the beginning and the end of the movie using a Smith & Wesson Model 30 revolver, uh, his girlfriend using a Smith & Wesson Model 40 Sentinel, you know, two little revolvers uh, to hold up the place. Uh, you have uh, Bruce Willis and Marcel Wallace using a Smith & Wesson uh, 4506. Love those guns. And then you have uh, one little Taurus Model 689 in there. And one of the non, uh, you know, important characters, and then of course John Travolta and Bruce Willis have a Mac Ten suppressed, uh, which is pretty cool. The Remington eight seventy shotgun in there, uh, you know, pretty cool. Uh, it is a very iconic movie. It is a movie that is just a, a cult classic. Uh, it saved the career of John Travolta. Uh, it just completely launched. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's career, you know, to the moon uh, after this, and then um, I can't remember the other movie. I know we did it uh, not too long ago, but there's another movie, uh, you know, where they uh, a group of robbers hell out in a warehouse. Uh, between these two classics, it just you know catapulted John Travolta to make like the Kill Bill series and, and so on and so forth. So. That's going to be it for the gun culture segment. Let's go ahead and start wrapping the show up. Well, I greatly appreciate you for listening into another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. That's the best way to keep up with new podcast episodes as they come out. If you can, leave us a review. It's the best way for others to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, you know, if you leave us a review on Apple, just one quick sentence. That way, for some reason, those hold more water for Apple Podcasts than just leaving the stars. Uh, go ahead and check out our social media. You can find us everywhere at 2A Lifestyle, where it's the number 2A, uh, except for Instagram, 2 is spelled out. Also, if you like the podcast, go ahead and check us out on Patreon. Uh, you can support us uh, any way you can. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. It goes directly back into this podcast. So with that, uh, that's another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. And until again, keep on enjoying it, that 2A Lifestyle. I'll be so much stronger.